Well, good evening, everybody. Great to see all of you here tonight. So very thankful that you're here and uh, that you are joining us here tonight in Bible study on campus. And we're very thankful to have you. And we welcome those of you uh, watching on uh, Facebook Live, live stream. We're so glad to have you as well. We say this virtually every service, but it is certainly meant from the heart. Thank you so very much for coming. Uh, <clears throat> while I was waiting for service to begin, I was not particularly pondering some deep uh, theological subject. What I was pondering and, and thinking about was a number of years ago, I was able to go on a motorcycle ride with a pastor friend and two other people uh, around in and around the state of Colorado, up and up and down the Rocky Mountains, and stopped at a place, and I believe it was Silverton, Colorado. It was an old mining town, and uh, <clears throat> they had a little cafe right there in downtown main street of this very small town that was just absolutely postcard beautiful and uh, that town used to be or that that little cafe used to be a a tavern of some sort and claimed they had the oldest bar talking about where you'd serve people that came in for a drink they had the oldest bar in the state of Colorado and they were very proud of that and when they were uh, removing all the paint I believe they said they took off more than 20 coats of paint uh, off of that just to get it down to where they could um, stain it. It was beautiful. We looked at it, took a few pictures, and uh, it was beautiful and very well done. But at that little uh, city cafe, whatever it was, that morning, uh, I ordered uh, an amazing, very fresh cup of coffee and a cinnamon roll about that big around and about that thick that was piping hot and had a pot of butter melting in the very center of it. So if you was wondering what I was thinking about tonight right before service began, you got it. And I am currently thinking right now as I speak of how amazing it would be to have just a bite of that cinnamon roll. But Colorado is a long ways away and I don't have a motorcycle anymore. So all I can do is dream just hope longingly for maybe someday by some far stretch of the imagination that we'll return and that little place will still be open and that maybe they'll still be serving those amazing cinnamon rolls. I'm sorry I wasted three minutes of your time going through that story, but we're glad to have you. Thank you for being here tonight. All of our guests here tonight, welcome. We so deeply appreciate you being here. I'd like to remind you of a few things that are coming up that you need to know about certainly and that is that Sunday December the 19th is our Christmas service and one that you don't want to miss we'll be hearing from our children from uh, uh, our older children our praise team uh, it's going to be wonderful you're not going to miss and it'll be a great opportunity to invite some friends and family uh, to come and be blessed by that service as well. In addition to that, as we do every year, uh, we'll be receiving our Christmas for Christ offering uh, during that service. And uh, you've all noticed there's envelopes in the uh, lobby that has dollar amounts on it. You pick one of those and uh, put it 
that dollar amount in the envelope, and then you'll give that uh, on this on Sunday, December the 19th. <clears throat> I did approach Dawson Bunch standing there at that uh, easel with all those envelopes on it. I approached him, I believe it was last Wednesday night, and I encouraged him to pick that one for $10,000 and uh, take it home to his grandmother, Sister Bunch, and tell her that the Lord spoke to him in an audible voice for her to give that for the Christmas for Christ offering. And he just giggled. And I think it's still up there. So um, even though it would have been a lie, he could have repented immediately. And then all of our home missionaries could have been blessed. I have not drank anything tonight before service, but this is what happened when y'all get me for a service leader. This is what happened. So uh, our service leaders are around campus doing various things and what have you, um, some of them not able to be here. So here we are, but we're having fun. Amen. Uh, finally tonight, if you'd make sure that the church office has your current address so we can uh, certainly send to you your uh, financial statements uh, for this year. So if you do that, we would appreciate it very, very much. Again, great to see all of you, and thank you so much for being here. Um, last, uh, last Wednesday night, excuse me, we, we taught a very compelling Bible study, and uh, the, the outpouring that I received after that Bible study Wednesday night and in the days following uh, people are still mentioning it. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, but it was a very compelling Bible study. And um, I hope that all of you have taken that to heart. Uh, tonight I uh, would like to teach a part two of that. Um, but it's not going to be as uh, challenging perhaps as last Wednesday night was. But I do want to make you aware of something here tonight. <clears throat> that I don't think we forget I'm not sure it's possible to forget that there is a devil I don't think any of us forgot today at some point oh there's a devil I forgot I don't think we, we do that but I do think sometimes we forget and become very ignorant of his strategy and ploy against the people of God I've said it many, many times before. Um, I've I questioned here of late at how many people really listen, but then I question of how many people really comprehend. What we have to understand tonight is that the devil will do anything. He will use anything. It doesn't matter to him. What he has to do to cause somebody to fail in their relationship with God. Jesus said in Matthew 16, a very familiar reading, He said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, I will continue our, our thought and title from last Wednesday night that now is the time to fight. To fight against the devil and to fight against worldliness. Worldliness and all that it 
disguises itself to be, uh, I suppose is one of the greatest tactics that the devil will use. There's a whole lot of content to that statement, and that's not particularly what I'm here to talk about. In Acts chapter 28, verse 3, when Paul had gathered, the Bible said, a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came out a viper of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves that no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And then he, Paul, shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. My presentation tonight is going to be relatively simple. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. But I'm here tonight to remind everybody that there is a devil, that Satan is real. I regret giving him this much time from the pulpit, but I believe in where the church is right now, it's needful and everybody say amen. Anytime you build a spiritual fire, the enemy is going to show up. One of the greatest ways to tell a, a, to identify a lukewarm spirit is when you're not challenged by the devil. He pretty much has you where he wants you. The same, the same applies to being a, a backslider, to be backslidden. The same applies to not being a child of God at all. So I'm here to inform us, to re-inform us tonight, if you will, that Satan is real and that he has a kingdom. Yes, he does. He doesn't, his, his whole entire desire is to keep you from going to heaven and he will do anything to see that happens. Again, I don't believe some of us tonight, some that are part of Grace Church, really understands that. I made the comment Sunday that just because you come to church on Sundays and do this and this, but live like you want during the week, just coming to church on Sunday is not going to save you. Uh, just singing all the courses Sunday and and praising the Lord during the courses, that in itself is not going to save you. It may feel like to you that you are to some degree saved, whatever that means. But bottom line, you'd have to admit, if you're really transparent, if you're really honest, that it's going to take a little bit more of that. It's going to take a whole lot more than that if I plan to make heaven my home. So if Satan is real and... He has a kingdom. I want everyone here to know tonight that his kingdom is a kingdom of darkness. There is nothing the devil will do to you nor for you that will ultimately make life better for you. It may for a while, but after a while, the table is going to turn and it always does. In Colossians 1.13 the Bible said, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Talking about the devil's kingdom of darkness. 
and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You have to understand with the devil. This applies to you, to your spouse, to your kids, to your parents, to everybody, your friends, everybody. He is out to destroy you. He does not want you to be a part of the bride of Christ and he will do anything that he can to prevent that from becoming a reality. I want everybody to understand that. So the kingdom of the devil, the kingdom of Satan, a kingdom of darkness, it is literally darkness versus light. It is sin and unrighteousness versus holiness and righteousness. It is deception versus truth. It is deception that versus truth. There's people at Grace Church that are part of Grace Church that is being deceived by lies of the devil. First and foremost is, is stark, direct disobedience to the Word of God. We talked about that last Wednesday night. I've heard people say for years, well, I just don't feel like all this is applicable. I just don't believe all this is applicable. doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you believe. You still have the stark, true teaching of the Word of God to contend with. And God doesn't understand your point of view and neither will He accept it. Everybody say amen. amen. So it's deception versus truth. It's sickness and disease versus healing and health. It's sorrow and death versus joy and life. This is what goes on between the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of Satan, and the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of the devil is a kingdom of darkness. I will also have you know that the kingdom of the devil is an influential kingdom. The Bible said in Luke chapter 4 that the devil himself took Jesus up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world, and he did it in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. So he has a very dark kingdom, but it is one with a lot of influence. The devil can persuade people, sin can persuade people to do things that a few years ago, a few months ago, they'd have never believed they'd have done it. It happens every day in our world. Yes, it does. To get caught weak in a moment of temptation and the, the situation, the event, the circumstance influences you to do what you know isn't right. The kingdom of the devil is a counterfeit kingdom. Jesus said, you are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, it's a lie. He speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when you allow the devil to influence you to do something that he says will promise you this, that, and the other, he's a liar. 
I'm, I'm reminding everybody, we all know this, but we get real casual and comfortable in our lifestyle and our culture is bearing down on us and we see people through media and social media and all this stuff and it seems like they're having such a great time and here I am as a child of God and I can't do this and I can't do that and go here and go there and the devil starts painting this picture in your head. But it's a counterfeit. He's a liar. Since man was created to worship, Satan has developed a completely, a total counterfeit religion to draw this worship away from God to himself. But it's not just one religion. It's hundreds and thousands of religions. The offerings of religion here in our world tonight is unfathomable. And if you go to a church and they preach something that makes you a little uncomfortable, trust me. You can find another church somewhere that will preach and teach just what you want to hear. The Bible says that. Because he has fabricated, the devil has fabricated a religion of worship to fit virtually every man and woman's desire for religion. But when they go to that religion, if it's not under the auspices and umbrella of truth, then you're not necessarily worshiping God. You may think you are, but it's not going through the conduit of truth. So this is what the Bible teaches about the devil from this perspective. The devil has a throne. According to Revelation 2.13, he has great depths of doctrines and men who teach these doctrines according to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Folks, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've talked to so many people through the years that they'll tell me, Brother Murphy, I just don't see it like you preach and teach it. I hear that, I hear it, I hear it. It's not what I teach and preach. It's not me. Take Brother Murphy out of it. I preach the Bible, and I give chapter and verse for it. If you don't believe it, it's not that you're not believing me. You're taking that holy book that we had up here last Wednesday night and you're not believing it. You need to be careful. The Bible teaches that the, de the devil has a table of communion in 1 Corinthians 10, 21. The Bible teaches in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 20 that there's people who sacrifice at his altar. He has the ability to pose as an angel of light and persuade you that he is the ultimate in purity and, and holiness and the right way and the right thing. The Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13 that he has spirit and human messengers. There's a lot of people on this planet that are more than willing to put a microphone up against their mouth and proclaim doctrines of the devil. You say, well, that is insane, Brother Murphy. I never listened to a doctrine of the devil. You do if it's a misinterpretation of Scripture. It's a doctrine of the devil. Even when it's read from the Holy Book, the Bible teaches, as we just mentioned, that he has a kingdom, and that kingdom has the ability to perform counterfeit miracles, counterfeit signs, and counterfeit wonders to make you think, surely, this is God. I'm going to stop here for a moment and, and tell you a story. <clears throat> Again, I don't 
very quickly talk about this subject. But when we were uh, pastoring in Youngstown, we had started our church. It was up and running. We had a nice congregation. I was full-time pastor. And there was a, a family that came to our church of the persuasion. Uh, there's, there's a larger uh, contingency of them, or constituency of them, excuse me, in Africa. But there's our spatterings of them around the United States, and, and, and they follow a man called William Branham that, that came to uh, some kind of a legitimate preacher, etc. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was in the 1940s, 50s, something like that. Uh, used to be apostolic, but they call his followers Branhamites. And um, this family came to our church, and the husband of this family was a Branhamite, followed after this man named William Branham. When William Branham died, he, he, he preached for years he would never die, that he'd be raptured or translated. That didn't happen. And he made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cassettes. So to be a Branhamite, you were forbidden to attend any other church. And so on Sundays and Wednesdays, as, as he documented, um, you had to listen to his cassettes and his cassettes only. You could only hear him preach. He believed in what is called the serpent seed doctrine, where... Uh, uh, Cain uh, it, it, let me think here for a second this is not my notes uh, the serpent seed doctrine that Eve was impregnated by the serpent and that Cain was literally a son or child of the devil that was one of his doctrines now that can sound awfully scriptural and to people with no bible knowledge or basis they can be taught to believe that he also taught that repentance uh, in the book of Acts, and then he taught water baptism in the name of Jesus. He taught water baptism, but not for the remission of sin. And he also taught to be baptized in Jesus' name, but not in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, he taught that heaven was a pyramid, not a cube. Uh, one pastor said that he would take truth and kind of blow it out the other end. But if you, were not, if you did not have strong scriptural base, you could be converted to this. I talked to one of our missionaries when we pastored in Youngstown. We, I had him come to our church. It worked out uh, for him to come. He was a missionary to Africa, and he, part of his work was in one of these very large pockets of what is called Branhamites. Um, he told me they never had any success in converting one Branhamite. There was something that happened to them when they believed and bought into this doctrine. You could never convert them. Neither did I convert the man that came to our church in Youngstown. However, I did go to his house one night and cast the devil out of him. He passed out on the couch as though he was dead. I thought he was dead. Uh, he popped back up two or three minutes later, went to the bathroom, regurgitated, threw up over and over and over. When he came back, his cheeks was real rosy and it looked like his feet was about that high off the ground. Cast the devil out of him, prayed him through the Holy Ghost, but he could not maintain it. In just a matter of two weeks or three weeks, he reverted back to his Branhamite faith. But Branhamite would send all of his followers pictures of him with fire all over his platform and, and all of these mighty, miraculous things. And people were deceived by that. They thought it was real. We have to understand that the devil has the ability to perform counterfeit miracles. One of our missionaries testified that um, they sent a man a new convert, uh, a native of that country, into 
a very difficult area, uh, kind of way out in the jungle, way out in the bush, where they had a, a witch doctor that ruled over them, and everybody was terrified of this witch doctor uh, because he could do some crazy things just by pointing his finger. And so this, this young convert had family that lived there, and he wanted to win them out from under the influence of this um, witch doctor. So he, he, he managed to get to the tent of where the witch doctor was and started having this conversation about Jesus and Jesus being the Messiah, and he was God, and he was all-powerful. And finally the witch doctor said, can your God do this? And he pointed to the wall of that tent to a calendar, and it immediately shredded into pieces and fell to the floor. The young apostolic convert looked at him and said, yeah, that's what your God does. It just tears up stuff. But my God puts things back together. And he pointed at the same bunch of pieces of paper on the floor, pointed to it, said in Jesus' name, and it went up whole right back on the wall where it was before. He ended up converting that witch doctor in that whole entire area. But my point here tonight, and I could go on and on with these stories, very rarely tell them, especially in a public setting. But the devil has the ability to deceive you with counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. The Bible also teaches that he has false apostles, he has false prophets, and he has false teachers. In 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, again, I'm giving you scripture. He has a city, the Bible said. God has a city, the New Jerusalem, but the devil has a city, and it's called Mystery Babylon. And it's to oppose the city of God, which is the New Jerusalem. He even has a harlot church, according to Revelation 17, verse 5, to counterfeit the bride of Christ. So I'm here to have everyone understand tonight that he has a counterfeit kingdom. And everything about him is built on a lie, and it's built on deception. So when you want to take the Bible, as we talked about last Wednesday night, and just dismiss verse and scripture and all of that, think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. I'm happy to tell you tonight that he has a very limited kingdom. Yes, he does. He's very powerful. He's very powerful, but he's limited. He's not omnipotent like God. Jesus said, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divides his spoil. Satan is a powerful opponent. He's a very powerful opponent. I talked to you about God, uh, uh, can, we take, can, can, can we lose our, our hedge a couple of Sundays ago? Um, the devil persuaded God to tear down the hedge around Job, and you all know the story. The devil is a powerful opponent, and he, he sifted Job like wheat took everything he had but God told him you can do whatever you want to him you just can't touch his life so God put the devil on a leash in my words in my opinion like you a person would put a dog on a leash there's mighty powerful dogs on our planet in people's yards and walk in the neighborhoods on their owner's leash but they can't do one thing as long as they're on that leash at Calvary Jesus took away all of Satan's power over those who are in Christ. And I'm happy to announce tonight, if you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're living in accordance with the Scripture, the devil has no power over you. Only what you allow him, only what you allow him, but he has no power over you. 
Satan does have the power of accusation. Yes, he does, and it can come from any source. He has the power of accusation, but John said in his epistle, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with a father, Christ Jesus the righteous. Satan has the power of opposition, but John said again in his epistle, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The devil has the power of temptation, but there is no temptation, Paul said, taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, even when you go through the devil's cruelest moment of temptation, God can still turn the table and have you come out victorious. Satan has the power of affliction, but the psalmist said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Satan had the power of death, But according to John 11, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. In Mark, Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So this is where this gets real simple. It's so simple, we hardly sometimes don't even resort to what I'm about to suggest. So when Satan comes out of the fire and fastens himself to you, what do you need to do? We've built a fire here at Grace Church since we've been back on campus after all that COVID mess. Our young people are flourishing. Our children are flourishing. A number of our families are flourishing in so, so many ways. We have some that are still uh, a little bit further away than I would like to see as pastor. But by and large, Grace Church is on the move. We're moving forward again. We've stirred up a fire, and the devil is not going to sit back and watch it happen without trying to do something to stop it. And everybody said amen. Amen. So here's what we need to do. And this is simple, but I encourage everybody to do it. I mentioned to you all the things that the devil has that he can use against you. But I want to follow Paul's example on the Isle of Malta when the serpent came out of the fire. First thing is you ignore him. Paul didn't talk about the viper or seek sympathy from others after being bit by the viper. He gave it no undue attention. The devil loves attention. He loves being a distraction. He loves the attention we give him, because if we're giving him attention, we're not giving God attention. He wants us to focus on the viper instead of building the fire. So Paul ignored him that's my suggestion tonight when stuff comes into your head it happens to me all day every day 
The thing that I deal with the most as pastor is, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. And what about this family and what about that family? I talked to somebody about that the other night. Sometimes it gets hard to even sleep at night. I'm not trying to sound like a hero nor a martyr, but facts are facts. I care about this church and the people that are in it. And I've decided of late, I've done it in the past, that I'm just tired of it and I'm going to ignore it. I'll give you an example. Several years ago, we were going through a difficult time. The church was growing. We had built a fire here. Revival was prevalent in the atmosphere. The church was growing like crazy. And I got in bed one night. Sister Murphy was already in bed. She had been through some very difficult times after being hit by a car and so on. And the devil just wouldn't quit. And uh, got in bed that night and and just seemed like a few moments she was peacefully sleeping. I was facing her. I rolled over the opposite way and there was this being standing right there beside my bed. It looked like an oriental woman. Dressed in red, just red like these poinsettias and face painted completely white, just white as paper. Hair was dark, dark black and staring at me and I immediately felt the spirit of intimidation. That if you don't settle down, bud, with that church, we're coming after you with all we got. That's what I felt. I looked up at that being and said, you know what? I don't feel like fooling with you tonight. And I rolled over and went to sleep, back facing the direction Sister Murphy was laying in. I ignored that demon in my bedroom. Some of you are sitting here like, dear God in heaven, how did you do that? Because when you get tired of being badgered and intimidated, after a while, the best way to get rid of a a bully is to ignore them. I'm not going to give you your due. not going to do it. The second thing Paul did, he didn't make a big deal. He didn't try to make a hero out of himself, a martyr out of himself. He just shook the thing off. He ignored him, and then he shook him off. I want to encourage Grace Church today. Don't forget this. The best way to shake off the devil is with praise because your mouth is the center of spiritual warfare in your life. Amen. Man, God and the devil can do a whole lot with what comes out of your mouth. And when you just start trying to clapping your hands and praising the Lord and lifting the Lord up and glorifying him, the devil ain't too interested in you no more because his bite was not venomous enough to take away your praise. My God, tonight, I would to God that all of us could get a hold of this and learn how, when to praise the Lord, how to praise the Lord, and how fervently to praise the Lord. Amen. Praise will shake him off. The Bible said in Proverbs, a wise man said in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Joel said in Joel chapter 3 verse 10, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into shears. Let the weak say. All of us remember the days of the good old United Pentecostal Church testimony services. 
I don't know why my pastor never just quit having them. Because to me, they're very rarely productive. What you generally got most of the time, in essence, was this. The devil has been on my back all week long, bless his holy name. Y'all pray for me that I make it all the way and sit down. That ain't a testimony. That's a get up and y'all feel sorry for me and I've had it worse than anybody else in this building and so on. But what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your mouth will give the devil ammunition or it will defeat him. And it's important that we remember you shake him off with your mouth, with your praise. The third thing you do with him is throw him in the fire. Paul threw the viper back into the fire. The very thing that was trying to, it was, it was the very thing that the thing was trying to escape in the first place. The fire is the Holy Ghost. So when the devil shows up, turn up the heat. Get your Bible and start reading it. Read it out loud. I was here praying one night. We were renting this building. I was praying one night. It was a Thursday night. I knew I was the only one here. I'd been here a while just pacing back and forth. And uh, I didn't have lights on like this. I think I just had them wall lights on. And I knew walking back and forth across here that that door right there that goes behind the platform, it was open about that far. Again, I knew I was the only one here. And I was praying up a storm. And that door slammed all of a sudden. That'll get you instant in season, out of season. And I saw somebody left a Bible on the front row, and I picked that Bible up and put it right here against my chest, and I hit it right for that door. You're not going to intimidate me out of this building. You're not going to scare me out of this building. I ain't leaving. If anybody's leaving, it's going to be you. And so I walked all the way. I didn't turn the lights on either. I was a big boy. It was pitch black back there. And I got that Bible, and I started quoting Scripture. And if you want a piece of me, devil, you've got to come through this book. And I walked all the way back there, all the way down that hall. And I was shouting to the devil with all of my might. And when I got to the end of the hall down there, one of our Sunday school teachers had come in that back door over there. And we had a Holy Ghost come to Jesus meeting. And I said, excuse me just a minute. And I opened that back door and I said, now get out of here. Not you, but the devil that was just in this building trying to intimidate me and get me afraid to even be in this building. I want us to understand tonight. When, when the Bible said in Isaiah 59, they, that so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And that's what happened that night. I believe tonight, out of just sheer faithfulness, I heard Billy Cole say one time, the devil is afraid of me. And you could feel that little reaction from the crowd saying, are you sure about that? He said, it's not, he said, I'm not being arrogant. It's knowledge. I know who I am. And I wish we could get a hold of that tonight. We walk around all bent out of shape and, and I, God, I did this, and God, I did that. Maybe you did do this, and maybe you did do that. But if you have a repentant spirit and an honest heart, you're still a child of God, and every devil in hell can oppose you. And you don't have to give up one inch of your spirituality as long as you're a child of God. The Lord will raise up a standard. I didn't cast that devil out of here that night. Neither did I cast the one out in my bedroom. God took care of that. I went to sleep when I was in my bedroom, and I came back around here and continued praying. Which brings me to the fourth point of what Paul did. He continued in his ministry. 
Paul didn't miss a beat because of the viper. I'm not sure he even built a sermon on it. He just went about doing what God had called him there to do. In fact, his deliverance, his ignoring the viper, him throwing him back into the fire, him continuing his ministry, opened doors for him that nothing else would have opened. He used his moment with the devil to catapult him into the will and purpose of God. Try that on for once. Continue your ministry. I don't know if I'll get through all this tonight or not. If I don't, it's okay. But I just feel, I feel inspired to go down this path. Back to Youngstown. You can't use stories around here. You all know them. It's a disadvantage of growing up in this area like I have. Everything I know, y'all know. <laughs> but back to Youngstown. Sister Nixon knows the man. She's met him that I'm about to talk about. His name was Joe Devlin. Going on to be with the Lord. Found out the man was a homosexual. He lied about it at first, but meeting with him a week later, I've told the story before, but it fits here tonight again. Finally came to my house on Saturday night. He was our church piano player. And man, could he play. Oh, he was so talented. And uh, came to our house a week later after uh, I asked him about this. And he came back and confessed and bawled and cried and bawled and cried. I've never seen a man so sorry and a man wanting to repent and get right with God. And he said, well, I guess I'm done at the church. I said, what do you mean? He said, either you're going to tell me to quit coming or I'm, I'm benched for sure now. After all of this, and something just came over me. Just that air on the side of mercy, air on the side of mercy, air on the side of mercy. I looked at him and I said, quite to the contrary. I said, uh, I'd appreciate you playing the piano tomorrow morning at church just like you did last Sunday. He wore glasses that had the real thick lens. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It made his eyes. He looked like a walking emoji. That big wide-eyed emoji. But on that night... His glasses could hardly contain the opening of his. They went, they went above and below his glasses. I'm not exaggerating. He looked at me. And he said, I can't do that. I said, why? He said, because I've sinned. But I said, you just sat here on the couch and repented. What do you want me to do? Hold your sin against you when God didn't? So I'd like for you to be back on the piano in the morning. He said, okay, I will, Pastor. I'm in total submission to you. That was about the only time he submitted Another story for another time. Anyway, he said, I will, but I have a request. He said, can we open the service tomorrow with my thanks to him? And I said, absolutely. So he got on the piano and started singing and playing my thanks to him. And big old tears began streaming down his face. I don't believe the calling of the ministry is to take ministry away from people, but to restore them back to ministry when they fail. And everybody say amen. Amen. So I say to us tonight, the devil has attacked on every side, and you're blind as a bat in a snowstorm wearing sunglasses if you don't see it. He's attacked on every side. Yes, he has. But I'm going to do my best tonight to continue my ministry. We're moving on. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep teaching. And Grace Church is, is growing now, and we're going to keep it growing to the very best of our ability.
I want to conclude tonight by encouraging you to pray the promise of God. Every time you pray, pray the promises of God. We've studied these various principles in times past, but it brought miraculous growth to the first century apostolic church when Peter first opened the door to the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius in Acts 10. He declared, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. In other words, what God did for the early church, he will still do for us today. And what God has done for you, he'll do for others. And what he's done for others, he'll do with you. We oftentimes mistakenly think that we're waiting on God. But in reality, God is waiting on us. God didn't pick David up and set him down in front of the giant. God was waiting on David to move. And when David moved, God was there waiting on him. Israel they were standing still facing Goliath and they hoped with all of their might that God would please intervene and do something but God did nothing until David did something God intervened but he's waiting on someone else to move we need to let the book of Acts become more than a book of church history to us we need to pray it until it becomes reality to us there's revival in it there's growth in it there's encouragement in it, there's power in it, there's miracles in it. And I want to see God move in this church like we've never seen before. And everybody say amen. And so now is the time to fight. Now is the time to fight. So when the devil comes to you, ignore him, shake him off, praise God, and continue your ministry. Continue in your ministry. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your attention. All of the wonderful people that are here tonight, thank you so very much for coming. We're going to go ahead and dismiss you as you are. To feel free to fellowship some before you leave to go home. God bless you. You're dismissed. And we will look forward to seeing you Sunday morning.